Welcome to episode 45 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and joining me on the couch again is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? And once again, forming our trinity of the Comic Book Nation core trinity is our man, Brandon Davis. Hello, how are you? And today we're bringing BD back because uh, we thought we'd be talking some Spider-Man Far From Home spoilers today, but uh, as it happened, the news cycle did not cooperate and kept dropping some hot news on us that we had to talk about. So we will be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home spoilers later in this week, just in time for your July 4th holiday because, you know, Spider-Man might be in Europe, but we're still repping America, so we'll have a special America present for you. And we'll be talking uh, Spider-Man Far From Home and full spoilers discussion coming up. But until then, we have plenty of talk about today uh, because some small things are happening. Uh, For instance, Brandon Davis, you have a small event happening in your world. The Walking Dead is coming to an end. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, it's over. No more more Walking Dead No more Walking Dead. The dead are going to stop walking. But in addition to that, we also have to talk about this Avengers Endgame re-release, which I... Finally trudged out to see and have some <laughs> thoughts to share, as well to echo thoughts of a lot of Marvel fans who were less than impressed with that re-release. We're also going to be talking about the Flash movie from DC. Who knew we were going to say that today? But the Flash movie is still alive, still has a pulse, and is now taking steps forward. It is walking again. We're losing walking walkers, but the Flash is walking again. It's all connected. Yeah, he did there. He brought it all. We also got our first look like at Henry Cavill's The Witcher so coming to Netflix, and... Netflix dropped another big bomb on us by telling us they are going to do what so many movie studios have failed to do for so many years, and they're scooping up Neil Gaiman's Sandman for a series. So we have a lot to get into. Let's get into it. We're going to start at the top talking a little Avengers Endgame re-release. So we were hyping this re-release. There was no we. There was no we. (laughs) There was a you. I mean, you were on the show talking about it. I was not hyping. I said I wouldn't go see it. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, we need to talk about how hey, Kofi's proje- projections don't lump me was in way off. Yeah, no, my projections were on. Marvel fan enthusiasm was half of that. That's what happened there. My projections were on. I'm trying to beat Avatar. What are the rest of y'all doing? So I went out and saw Avengers Endgame. Uh, it was the first time I, I've only seen it once before, so this is my second time, and it was a very good viewing on the second time. There are so many. Just really good kind of uh, film and cinematic qualities that were kind of buried into Avengers Endgame that I didn't respect the first time. Um, things like uh, small things like Iron Man. The first time you see Iron Man's helmet kind of illustrating the damage. Somebody's trying to call me right now. Like, what, 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 what is happening on this show? We are just all I totally thought that was me. And I'm like, oh, my God. No, panicking. And, and I'm like, wait, I don't have my either. phone. I thought he was about to answer the phone. I, I was just like, I almost never had, had my phone recording. on this show. I, was, I once what? had an actor answer yeah. their phone in the middle of an interview. Oh, I remember Diego. that. It's San Diego two years ago. He was ago. a Walking Dead cast, and he hung up. And he was, he, I don't know if he was joking or not. Is that actor it. still on the cast? No, but he's joined yeah, when he, well, I mean, on camera. So I'll say, we were on camera, and he was like, it was my dealer. I mean, it's on camera. Well, that was not my dealer. That was my Amazing. real doctor, actually. So, like, that was my real doc. Uh, dealer doc. I'm trying to get kind my doc dealer, all day. But, yeah. I should have answered in the podcast and just handled that business, but we won't do that. So, back to Avengers Endgame. Oh my God, I went out and saw this, you? and it was a good time. And uh, I don't know how long it's... I mean, it's going to be a while before I sit through those three hours again for a third time. 
But it was good to see again. Now, let's talk about the real stuff. We were promised all this bonus material at the end. (laughs) And you've probably by now heard the uproar about these bonus scenes, specifically one of the deleted scene we got, which was a clip that would have introduced Hulk back into the thing. And in the movie, we see Hulk in the diner just cuts to they need help from somebody who's smart. And so it cuts to the diner and there's smart Hulk. And it's like this big reveal. Well, uh, there's a scene where... Hulk gets the call from Captain America and Widow and Ant-Man to come and meet them. And while he's kind of saving people from a fire, uh, Spider-Man style and from the first Spider-Man movie. Except they didn't finish the scene for the re-release. So what you basically get is like PlayStation 2 version of Hulk <laughs> jumping out of a building and kind of like coming across the ground. And he's talked to by some firemen. One of them is Carl freaking Winslow from Family Matters and Die Hard fame, who had a cameo in this movie that got cut. That's the most bumming. Yeah, part about right. This. Yeah. yeah, that's so crazy. So <laughs> he's talking to Carl Winslow and he gets his phone call and he pulls out this impossibly big Hulk like iPhone. But the character rendering is so bad that it's just like this big green dude when Mark Ruffalo is talking but they don't animate the mouth so the mouth is still closed and Hulk is doing like this little side shuffle while he moves because they can't fully animate his movements <laughs> of all there had to be more deleted scenes than that one there are there's gonna be some of the wouldn't Blu-ray. it be they sad though list. they even told you like later on and I think they even say in in the re-release yeah there's gonna be a lot more on the blu-ray and it's like but what if that was the most finished like, what if know. that was the high? They literally picked and were like, this is the most finished that we have. We got This is the one we're going to put up. Like, well, they would have been so much better off not telling people what was in the re-release. No. No, it, I mean, you would have made a lot more money. It, did, it only made... I wouldn't have, it wouldn't, have, clo- it wouldn't have beat Avatar, but no. it would have made more money. I mean, yeah. I was excited. I When we broke the news, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And everybody in the comment section was like, this is the best thing ever. And even I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see it again. And then, two days later, Marvel... Here's what's included, and I was like, never mind. I'm not, I'm <laughs> I mean, I get, I get it from an ethical standpoint. It is good to let people know what they're paying for. However, it was just such an assembly of what can we cobble together. No, I mean, it the, was, yeah, they yeah, could have just, cobbled together more. Just come out and uh, say, hey guys, look, we're trying to beat Avatar. But listen, they did. Like, just I, say, I, it. I will say this: the Stanley tribute is very good. Okay, there's a Stanley tribute before this deleted scene. The Stanley tribute is very good and touching. Like, um. It's just a collection of his cameos and interviews from all of the Marvel movies he's done kind of spliced together. And then it says, like, Stan, we love you 3,000. And it's really good. Yeah. And it kind of really does get you at the heartstrings. Cool. And it was I would have actually liked that to be placed at the end of Endgame originally. I think it would have been a very good touching after credit yeah. scene. And the I love you three, we love you 3,000 thing would have helped cement that. You know, it would have been very good. So that is good. I mean, sure, you can just wait a couple weeks and get it on a Blu-ray or something like that, but it was good to see in theater, and it, and it, and it did bring a sense of closure to kind of the Stanley MCU yeah. cameos and kind of made me a little emotional, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, that Hulk deleted scene, I mean, it was great because it was the funniest thing. I mean, it got the biggest laugh. Like, everybody in the theater was just like, Because it was Whoa. so terrible. <laughs> yeah. Kill it with fire. Like, unfinished Hulk. And it's and it's become its own kind of meme now. And people are doing some really savage things with screenshots of this unfinished Hulk that they pixelate and stuff. It's great. Um, but, uh, yeah. How was the extended preview? Like, if you yeah, had is that seen... like a substantial scene that they, sh- they showed? Or? What do you mean extensive preview of what? For it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man. 
it far from home? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, Wasn't that part of it? Scene. Yeah. Was... Okay. So it's the first two minutes, which if you see the movie, it, it, <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't it, 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 the intro, it's not a spoiler to say the intro has to go, goes back to that thing you've seen in the trailer where it's set with Maria Hill and, and Sam Jackson in that, in that kind of crumbled city shooting at dust monsters with guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes a little more sense when you see it in a context. But it, it's just a quick introduction of them, and then you know, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, and that's it. And, and so, guess like, what? The movie is now playing. Yeah, it's in theaters now. <laughs> yeah, you've so, probably already seen it. Yep. So, like, I mean, if you hadn't seen <laughs> Spider-Man: Far From Home, it'd be a cool uh, little teaser. But it's not much of a teaser. It's not much of a scene. There's wh- barely any dialogue. What if they announce next week? They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna put different footage oh, and show God. different it's scenes. Over. I'm not sitting for three hours. If they had one not, it no. wasn't even the fifteen dollars or whatever a movie ticket costs for me. It was the it's three the hours. Time. Yeah, I'm not gonna go to the to the theater. It would be my fifth time seeing it. Fourth or fifth time. What if they put it. it all the way up front so that way, like you just watched it and then you could leave? Still, would you pay fifteen dollars for maybe. it? Maybe no. How long is the extra footage? Is it just the whole thing? You no. better show me maybe a phase. It's like, maybe it's like, like 10 minutes. At this point, you need to show me a phase four sizzle reel. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> like, enough about the record to do that. Are they going to like, I don't know, they're going to return the favor no, and pay some of my student loan? Like, I don't care like, about their bury, freaking record. Like, yeah, we're not trying to like bury bonds or something. <laughs> like, it's gotten a run. It's gotten, it. We're in the standard window. It got a run. It got a re-release. It'll like, get another run. It. Watch. They'll do another marathon somewhere down the line and it'll get, it'll, then it'll try again probably. I don't know if it'll work. This was its biggest push though and it it didn't make enough to yeah. make no, that no, I mean cool. with Avengers 5 Does Disney re-release comes, Avatar? Hmm? Before Avatar 2? Probably. That's, I said that before. I said yeah, people need to know a couple what, weeks ago and I what said the hell it is. even if Endgame narrowly tops yeah, Avatar, it doesn't matter because when Avatar 2 comes out, you're going to have an Avatar 1, Avatar 2 marathon option and that's going to tip the scales back to the, for, the Avatar marathon, does the Do those movies get the money? I don't know. No, that probably counts towards 2, but I still agree. Like It would be... I mean, some will say that Avatar 2 would overtake it if it's you know. Avatar two will not make two. I don't. I don't think it will either. It will not make two I'm, billion. You know, we are going way off topic, and I'm not going to start making those predictions because you have not seen what James Cameron has done. You're just talking <laughs> now, like yeah. I don't, no one cares. I don't know about that. No, nobody cares right now. Like I'm the first person point. to say that, but I don't. Sure, we get that James first trailer, Cameron. and then all of a sudden, everyone's going to want to. Yeah, see it. exactly. Like yeah, all right. Uh, we'll and, see. You better be careful because you will be the person out there stumping it like <laughs> Avatar 2, greatest thing I've ever seen. My eyeballs can't recover. Like, maybe. You better be careful. I, I mean, maybe I'll love Ooh, Don't say geez. I'm not going to love don't the movie. Pass BD no, no, no. I'm BD. not going to tell you. I'm not telling you that I'm not going to like Avatar 2 or it's not going to be a good movie. What I'm saying is. It's not going to make another It's 2. not going to make another $2.7 billion. I'll bet my house on it. Oh, whoa. 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 Nobody wants your roommates. It's, it's, it's on okay. tape. It's, it's, it's on <laughs> tape. Okay. There we go. Whew. All right. That's fire. We'll All come right. back to that one. $2.7 billion. What's the date? You are, you are a fantastic podcast. host and interviewer. He is. Yes, he is. I know. I don't. I don't Industry know what's analyst. <laughs> anyway. I don't know what's Industry happening right analyst. now. Let's move He's on. sweetening me up before a, a, okay. a, a jab. Is DC, that what's happening? DC's the Flash. So, DC's the Flash is coming back to life. DC's Gambit. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) for real, DC's Gambit. Yeah, we thought this movie was done and over. I mean, we thought this was going to be another victim of the Justice League mess, but, like, apparently this movie is still alive. It is moving forward. The Flash has tapped uh, or is in negotiations with IT director Angie Muschietti to uh, direct 
It has gotten a writer with Christina Hodson, who wrote Birds, the Birds of Upcoming Birds of Prey movie. Mm-hmm. And Ezra Miller has been kind of still is attached to Star. So this Ezra Miller flash isn't done yet. Which, of course, brings us back to all kinds of confusing questions about the DCEU, where we are. We have Ezra Miller's Flash is continuing. We don't know anything about Henry Cavill's Superman. There's a new Batman. Wonder Woman's still the same. Aquaman's not going anywhere. So we're all over the place right now. It's kind of a mess. Somehow DC has gotten right back to where it was in the mid-2000s, and I don't know how. I mean, there's... I'm happy for that team of people to be working on this. I mean... I don't know. This does nothing for me as far as move my scale either way. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't have belief in look, this. Look, I'm trying to make up like, in a, enthusiasm in six for the months, podcast, but this is like how I feel about him and Av- Avatar 2. <laughs> like, right now, I'm like, who cares? Who ca- because I'm I don't see this movie ever happening. About the Flash? I don't see this movie ever no. happening. What? Ezra it's Miller's not going to happen. One of the best parts about that entire yes, but we don't spin off Doom every comedic universe. relief character into a solo franchise and say this is going to be great. Like This, it, this really franchise, work. this character has had some great teams associated with it, and it keeps falling through, just like Gambit. Keeps falling through and yeah, it has some what, amazing talent. one solid team that Gambit has had on Doug it. Doug Lyman? Yeah, what are you talking about? It's had people. You just don't care about Gambit as much as you do about Flash. <laughs> you yeah. just buy it. I love, I mean, the, I I love really, Gambit. I would have really liked to see what was who directed Dope. What was his name? Uh, um, Carrie Fukunaga. Yeah, yeah, Carrie yeah, that guy. Fukunaga. Fukunaga. I would have liked yeah. to see his version of the Flash. I think that could have been good. I think John Francis Daly and uh, his directing coach. What's his name? Uh, I forget. I think they could have made a good Flash too. The game Game Night, great film. They've made good yeah. movies those two. Um, and I, I mean. I'm still excited. I mean, yeah. Hodson's great. Look, I liked Bumblebee. I'd watch a all lot. three of those movies. Birds of Prey, I want to see stuff from. She's also writing Batgirl. She's, also, she's writing a bunch of stuff right now. We'll see if that actually materializes into an actual script. They start shooting, stuff like that. Right. That part, I, don't, I mean, we'll, I'll right. believe it when we get yeah. into when, when they start building sets. Then I I'll think the thing I'm more curious about is the combination is like, why Andy Muschietti? Like, because it's going to be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, are you going to do like the Death Runners? Like, I mean, what are the, we talking the, it's about? just that the slow new line takeover of Warner Brothers, basically. Yeah, but David F. Sanders turned out to be a weird combination for for Shazam. I don't think they really had the. I balance thought Sandberg made out. a great Shazam. Yeah, but I don't think they had the balance figured out between taking this horror director and putting him into a thing that appealed to little kids and having that all coalesce. It, that, there, there was that scene in Shazam that was just like, yeah. That was I think a that much. threw a lot of families. <laughs> yeah, family. I liked it though. I mean, I, I liked it. I, I think I was glad think, the movie had that. I think there's a bit more to the Shazam story. That's more of a perfect storm of like Shazam is a well, who cares about Shazam? Where like the Flash, like everyone knows, like a That's bunch true. of kids yeah. know who the Flash is. Yeah, he's got rides at Six Flags, and, and I love it. <laughs> like I adore it. Yeah, so, right. like I, I, I'm like, not going to lie. Andrew I think is a weird fit. Potentially I, for the flash, but, but that's what I'm saying. I think paper. it has to do with what the story. Peyton is. Reed made an Ant Man movie. Yeah, I can see that. though. He made Bring It On before that. That's true. So, but the having that director is honestly the but only bring it on reason I care about this news. Yeah, like I, I don't care about this <laughs> yeah. news any other than the fact that he is attached. Yeah. yeah. So like that. I, that's Wonder Brothers wants to be part. in the Ezra Miller business. Like, it, it's, cool. I liked his flash. I like his I'm flash. I think he's. I'm very interested to see what this film shapes up to be. Yeah. What his connections are to the DCEU but it, you, or not. Like, this what it is. This is why Warner Brothers isn't bringing DC to Comic Con. They learned their lesson clearly. Yeah. There, there's so many things changing behind the scenes, yeah. and they're finally starting to figure it out Gain now. Some momentum. They're changing so many things, and it's it, the future is starting to take shape. Take shape. We don't know what that is yet. And they're finally learning, don't just go throw every idea that you have out there publicly. Right. Let the ideas develop. 
skip Comic-Con for a year. I think this is a smart Don't make one. a whole yeah. bunch of announcements if they're going to change, because when the announcements change, then people question you. Mm. Yeah. We're questioning the Flash because it's changed directors for the second time. Now, third eight, now. Third, no, like it's, it's the third. It like gets on like Bond level changes. Eight. But, right, eight but so really? now we're all sitting here questioning it's like at least it. third, let, I know. Yeah, let the movie third. start to take shape, then go to Comic-Con, then make some announcements, Agreed. show us some stuff and get people excited. Yeah. Bring it when you have stuff. Don't show camp. us 32 yes. movie logos, three of which are going to get made. <laughs> yes, agreed. That's just a bad move. They learned from that. Poor Ray Fisher. This is a good sign. I think this is a good Hold sign. Hold on tight, man. He will, he will get that cyborg movie. <laughs> I, was just tell, I was just telling someone the other, I think I was telling Russ the other night, I go, for that crisis event that they're doing on TV, yeah. I'm sure Ray Fisher would not mind joining in if it's a multiverse event, right? Do it. That's Do it. Nice DCEU connection. They couldn't afford to make him look like cyborg. Guys. That's, well, that's, that's the only, that's the yeah. problem. They, they just wouldn't be able we to. We need budget for stuff. Ray Fisher and Henry Cavill, I'd take both of them back. Some of those stars need their drinks, some need their vapes. We got, Cavill's we need good. We don't need Cavill. <laughs> you don't want Cavill anymore? No, I want I want him a Superman, but he's got other cool stuff going on. Speaking I want him of to leave. Which, <laughs> we are going to move on to what Henry Cavill is doing. That's cool. Everything but Superman. He's doing The Witcher. Yeah. And we've got our first kind of photos of this series that's coming to Netflix. The pop, the game series. Well, I'm not going to say popular. We have this fight, but the breakout hit game series around it's number a popular three. games. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. round number three, like The Witcher yeah. Three was the it, big. It got popular. we did Two this was, yesterday yeah. in the office. We're not doing it here. It got popular. Yeah, it, it was a breakout. Let's just call it a breakout hit. Yeah. Okay, so The Witcher is now coming to <laughs> Netflix, and from what False. we saw of this, Henry Cavill's butt. The end. <laughs> Well, if you read our site, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that, like that. That first poster, he looks so much like Legolas from like yeah. Lord of the Rings. Doesn't look anything like. Legolas. Are you kidding me? From behind? Oh him, my god, he looks like Geralt. He looks like Geralt. Wishes start. he had that ass. No. <laughs> Jim is just such a, Jim is such a Hawkeye fan that he's, he's looking such for a troll, bow and arrow man. everywhere. <laughs> no, but so, I mean, this does looks like Netflix is making a play for the Game of Thrones vacancy, right? Yep. Like the stuff we saw yeah. was a lot grittier than I looked. Like the character kind of photos, they were oh yeah, like grittier. Than I looked, than I thought it would be. Um, and I mean, we that's don't the, know a there, lot. There, I, I don't know actually. I don't know much about The Witcher, but is there like a ton of magic involved, or not really? Yes, there's uh, there's there's significant. I mean, the two other main characters other than Geralt are Triss and Yennefer, and they're both sorcerers. Like mm-hmm. that's what they're all about magic. So more magic than what Game of Thrones would would bring to the table. From what I know of Game of Thrones, just from the outside in, because like well, I've Game never of Thrones about- existed when magic kind of had died out of the right. world. Yeah, but this, this is like magic is still very much alive. So what what kind of like monsters can we expect to see here? And I mean, it's a blend of a lot of folklore. It's a lot of like kind of ancient monsters. They right, have right. Uh, a lot Horror of monsters. ghosts and witches and werewolves and last uh, witch hunter baby. I mean, I hope those look the, good. I hope those look. I mean, as gritty and and dark. I mean, that'll be the real test for this series: is does the fantasy kind of scary fantasy action really translate? Um, but I, th- I think it will because Netflix loves spending money. Yeah. Well, but also this series it's- though is not really a, like I would. I know you brought up like <laughs> Last Witch Hunter or whatever yeah, comparison. I was, I was this just is trolling. this is far from that. I, was I mean, just the series kind of is more about. Like, you see Geralt prepare, you see him explore the world a lot more. The monster fight is a kind of the payoff you get, but a lot of it is working your way up to dis- following the trail, seeing so is what, he like it's a, a mystery chosen thing. one or something? Or? No, he's one of a series of these uh, witchers are actually uh, from young ages. They're, like, taken, essentially, and uh, submitted to toxins and poisons and things so that oh. they can... 
uh, repel it so that when they grow up, they can be monster hunters. Like, mm-hmm. that is their... So you're going to get that's a lot of flashbacks and they get to look like screwed up childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he's got like a ton of scars and like his back's all messed up. Like he's he's been through it. Um, but yeah, like these games and these are more based on the books right. more than the games. Like they've made that incredibly clear mostly <laughs> because there's all kinds of lost stuff between the original writer and uh, the games. But uh, they're going to base some of it. I mean, you can see from these photos, there's a little bit of the game that seeps in. Yeah. Uh, but the books are you know, delve more into like the world and it is a gritty kind of, it's not like, like I wouldn't go like it's cyberpunk dark where like everything is constantly oppressive and stuff, but it is kind of a really gritty and dark world and there's a lot of underworld stuff, uh, but it's surprisingly funny. So I, I think honestly, if they can nail the charm, the wit and humor that's in the books and the games uh, and merge that with those cool payoff fights where someone's beheading somebody or this grotesque monster, that's the balance that, they're so trying to find. The Witcher is going to Comic-Con? The Witcher is going to Comic-Con. So uh, that, that pretty much solidifies the fact we're going to get a trailer in three we weeks. We'll get a trailer. Within the it's, next already, it's done filming. Yeah, it's yeah, done. There's going to be... When, when does it release? They haven't said. They have not said. We'll, so we'll probably, probably get a, get a trailer, date. a release date, and a whole bunch of information. I would mm-hmm. say October. Yeah, that's, that's a good sweet spot. Yeah. And we still probably. haven't seen certain characters from, from there that are in the thing like yeah. we'll probably get so some trickles. They're going to be stuff. coming and mark my words, they're going to be coming to make that snatch that Game of Thrones vacancy starting at Comic-Con. I'm all about it, man. Yep. So, all right. So, we're excited and we're mostly just excited to see Henry Cavill doing something out there big and that he's trying to land another franchise till Superman gets its act together. Poor Superman. All right. So, last but not least in our news flash today, the Sandman has finally cometh. <laughs> Sandman the series from Neil Gaiman that has been trying to get adapted for, I mean, the better part of my career doing this is finally getting adapted, but also by Netflix. Netflix is really trying Wait. to lock this down, this kind of mystical, you know. Booming, man. They love spending thing. money. So, favorite uh, thing. Well, I would imagine, too, that the critical acclaim and reception that Good Omens has gotten, I'm sure... Like I'm sure Sandman is a thing that's been on Netflix's desk for a while, and then and, Good Omens and Good Omens came out for Amazon, and for and it did great for Amazon, like numbers wise. That they were just like, "Yep, done, got it." We'll but also it. something to consider: Good Omens is being marketed like crazy. There are ads crazy. for that everywhere. Yep. If you market anything that much, and it's halfway decent. You oh yeah, the the tape on my Amazon boxes for like six months was all yeah. Good Omens. Everywhere. And they did a really smart job of like how they rolled it out early to like, they did everything right with that release. Mm-hmm. I will ask, because I'm actually sure on Sandman, is it a is it like Good Omens where it's a finite miniseries? Are they saying this is an online? Uh, the first season is 11 episodes Okay, that only about. covers just past the first trade. So this Prelude is a, so that was one thing that really lent itself to like Good Omens lent itself to story. streaming because it was a finite. You watch it, you're and done. It was, it was a pretty faithful adaptation. Yeah, too. Like, if you've read the book, like the first that first episode is almost word for word the yeah. first couple chapters. And because they managed the budget over only so many episodes, it was impressive budget right. wise. Like I, this, that's the one thing that worries me, and I know. You know, this is very expensive. Yes. Yeah, this most is- expensive series. <laughs> and that's why DC is going through Netflix and not right. that that's why DC, DC is like, we don't want to. We don't want to pay for this. We're going to yeah. let someone else pay for this and we'll just take that money. You saw what we did to Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah, they ain't going the Swamp Thing route. So, 
Yeah, I mean, this entire world of Sandman, it's, it's, I, I don't want to get into what Sandman's all about. Yeah, it's, it's just about deities who are actually real and this kind of crazy relationship they have and this war and this whole bunch of stuff. Neil Gaiman is deep. If you've seen American Gods or Good Omens, you kind of get the kind of world of, of how he takes popular folklore from all over the world and stuff and twists it into these very awesome kind of pulpy genre comic book stories. And Sandman's one of the most famous of all time, hands down. Um, yeah. I think, like, outside of Watchmen is easily one of the most yeah. reprinted trades that DC Yeah, has it has been going day, strong so. for since the 90s. Like, just, I mean, it's always been around since I've been into comics, so. I would say it's the most accessible gaming thing uh, to get in. Like, I've read American Gods, I've done, you know. Yeah, that. it's the easiest Sandman to me far. is, I think, is the, the easiest one to get into. So yeah. if you're, like, trying to figure out what the hell Sandman is, I would highly recommend going out and getting yeah. a trade. No, like, yeah, I recommend going out and, and getting this. If you have not read this, like, go out, read it before this all happens because, yeah, you want to experience, I think everybody should experience the comic mm -hmm. first. I mean, I'm not trying to be a purist. It's just a really great story and mm -hmm. you'll yep. enjoy it, so. We're psyched about that because it's been a long road, but now, man, Netflix is really coming with it. So. But David Goyer. Yeah. Oh, I did put that in the, in the show notes. So uh, uh. not to put a damper on anybody's spirits, but yeah. So Neil Gaiman is executive producing this series, but you know who else is involved with it? Our old buddy David S. Goyer. Listen, Man of Steel is a pretty good movie. Krypton's not bad. No, David Krypton is not, not awful. David, uh, David Square doesn't have pure losses on his resume. <coughs> he does not have pure losses. He no, does not no, have a bunch of wins. <coughs> that's the thing. Goyer was never looked at as pure losses. He got a lot of hate yeah. along the line, but like he's been looked at, rightfully so, as being wildly inconsistent. Like If you look at that man's filmography, it is like one of the most inconsistent things you will ever see. It's like every I other always yeah, there's like a dark I always confuse him for Stanley Tucci. There's like a... Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He looks just like Stanley Tucci without a beard. Sorry, continue. He has, Dark Knights, so he has Dark Knights on there, but he also has Blade 3. So that's about the range. Of, we no need to cut on. the reaction of that into a gif. <laughs> yeah. of the three of us looking at Jim. I have no that. comment on that. Yeah, so... Yeah, I. I don't even no, know he, what he I He also was, was a uh, producer on the Constantine uh, TV show, which everyone really, really liked. Yeah, he's been a producer, and yeah, I, that's, like, not that's a win, been though. okay for Ghost him. Rider and Spirits of Vengeance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I told you, it's always back and forth when you start reading down his filmography. It's all over the place. It's nuts. So, What was wrong with Ghost Rider? Spirits of Vengeance? <laughs> Nothing. Once the credits were over, it was all good. Oh, man, I up. forgot he wrote the Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV movie. Jeez Louise. Yeah. This, it, Wait, with, uh, with Hasselhoff? Yep. Yes. Really? I'm going to keep proving my point. <laughs> I've done enough Goyer articles to wow. broken down his entire <laughs> wow. filmography and been, like, just staring at it. So, but at least I they've been getting better. Yeah, Gaiman's going to be involved with this, so I'm settled. Like, I'm settled on that. So if he's involved, I feel confident about it. I think that. at the very least, Goyer has, like, I mean, he is a safe Warner Brothers representative for the production of this show to get it up and, and, and yeah. off the ground. And Gaiman, since, I mean, I know with Good Omens, like, he was very much like, once he finished that, he was going to dive into American Gods as far as, like, being involved on a regular basis. Because he was not involved. In, in yeah. Gods. And so I think, right, with this one, I imagine yep. he would be severely. Oh, this is like one of his big. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Dude, his, this dude's not letting this out of the stable. Yeah. Like, no. Like, no. I think he tried doing that with, like, American Gods a little bit and saw, oh, okay, went off the rails a little bit. And Netflix yeah. lets the creators do what they want to do, too. Yep. Netflix isn't going to come down and bring in some kind of executive hammer no, and say, we want entire, this way. But also when it's Neil Gaiman, it's just like, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah. It's the entire appeal of Netflix is like, 
letting you do what TV and movie studios like, won't. won't so. Yeah. All right, Sandman, we're looking forward to that. You also got to point out, like, you got to... They they canceled all the Marvel shows and they were like, you know what? <laughs> we'll get a DC show. <laughs> we got wow. the spare money I later. Think about it like that, but that is some real shade. Not just a DC show. But yeah, a, like a very starting at the top shelf. Yeah, <laughs> right? remember that thing you've wanted all this time. Imagine if Netflix committed at. to a, a, a an interconnected DC universe. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. That would be truly incredible. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. I mean, it could be. It, Let's it has give them that idea. The potential on that is truly Let's incredible. To a DC. And they would do it just like they wanted to do the Marvel one. They would keep it exactly. It'd be like, this is how many episodes. This is our budget. <laughs> we're not 13. going over this. Yeah, oh. we're done. All right. Last but not least in news, we got to talk about uh, BD's best friend, Star <laughs> Wars, The Last Jedi director, Ryan Johnson, has come out with a new movie trailer. He's doing a kind of throwback whodunit called Knives Out, and this movie has everybody in it. I wrote it down because I was a little more prepared today. So we got Chris Evans, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, Daniel Craig, Lakeith Stanfield, Anna Big De Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Johnson, Christopher Plummer, It's Jaden Martell, and Katherine Langford from that movie or show I forget right now. Avengers so. Endgame? Oh, it forgot her too. <laughs> oh. That should have been the scene that they showed. They nope, should have shown that the, the canon. They won't affect that because it affects from, the canon. Is she that's from true. 13 Reasons? For 13 Reasons yeah. Why. Okay. Yeah, that's right. You'll never see that clip. They that clip will it. never be released. Of it affects the you gotta tell the people what you're talking about. I'm now. talking about she was, she was supposed to be in an Avengers and, cut, and she was gonna be the older version of Morgan Stark. Yes, it, it was cut, mm. and that's a canon thing. Oh, that was supposed to be seen in the Soul Stone when Tony before Tony went, something like that. Something I don't know like what that. I don't Forget. know about all that. I don't remember what the scene was, but yeah, she's basically supposed to be older Morgan, and they cut it. Mm. Oh, I would have loved a Tony Stark Soul Stone scene. I think, oh. I mean, that's just I, I remember rooming, I was Tony. reading the rumor that, like, yeah. Like, as he dies, he would see that. Just like, wrote it right Soulstone here. where she's older <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah, they're all in it. And we got the trailer for this. And if you don't know anything about Ryan Johnson, I, I was kind of writing about this with a teaser yesterday. Like, before all the last Jedi infamy, like, <laughs> Ryan Johnson was, like, making his bones, kind of making high-concept kind of noir-style movies. Looper. Uh, Looper was, like, the highest concept. It was, like, taking his noir. But what really got him that job was making a movie called Brick, which, if you haven't seen Brick, uh, stars Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's basically like Chinatown in high school. Uh, but he does this kind of David Milch Deadwood thing where everybody speaks in this very high, kind of high formal language, not like high school kids. Like they're all, Oh, like an Aaron Sorkin show. Yeah, they, they basically speak, but it's like 1940s yeah. like, like noir people. So they kind of like use all kinds of funny phrases like and all this stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I love that stuff. Yeah. And, it, and it's shot in black and white, but it's a high school kind of mystery, uh, classic film noir, um, like Kiss Me Deadly or a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, so like that's what really put him on the map because Brick became like this kind of cult hit with cinephiles and got circulated which led to like looper and other things so him going back to this is i am excited about it looks like this one is a little bit more humorous looper and brick are not very humorous um it looks like ryan johnson has more of a sense of humor in this one and of course the cast but uh clue is very dear to my heart and i'm not going to give up that mantle very easily so i'm not sold yet because i'm still it's not like, sure it's like it's like clue movie. slash murder on the orient express yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the movie that came to mind immediately eight. yeah it, was it that reminds movie reminds me of the hateful eight a little bit which i really liked i mean mm-hmm. i really liked the original clue i also like 
the, I got Orient yeah. Express. So yeah. I'm a sucker for classic whodunits. Yeah, detective stories whodunits. Uh, as I agree with Jim, because he made that comment earlier, it, Daniel Craig, anytime he's doing a role like this, he kills. He, he kills every time. And this, like... Maybe he's the killer. He could be. It's just I'll, the way he, he talks, kills. his mannerisms. Like, it's it's great. Like, I, I'm, I'm in for that. It looks great. I think this movie looks like a lot of fun. I, bet, I, I just that, have a feeling it's going to... Bond gonna... movie he has to make. I just want to see Daniel Craig do more that stuff. Oh, this stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I agree. Like, well, I'm I mean, kind of ready for him gave to move us, on. given us some great gifts and meme moments. I mean, the Chris Evans eat sugar honey iced tea. It <laughs> just goes around the room to everybody in the room. It's just like, you eat sugar honey iced tea. You eat sugar honey iced tea. You eat ish. You eat ish. You eat ish. Like, yeah, that was already really funny. So, yeah. I mean, there are good points in it. But uh, like I said, man, I love a good whodunit. But I'm really, this one's already boasting saying it's going to be a whodunit. Like, nobody's ever done it before. Pun. But like. They always say that. Yeah. I do like Michael Shannon. Oh, I love Michael Shannon. Like, I love Michael Shannon. Bad Boys 2, awesome. I just hope they find the killer and Michael Shannon says, I will find you! <laughs> you know what? I also think Michael Shannon looks a lot like Stanley Tucci. So. What? Wow, back to that. <laughs> that. Here we are. MC discussion well, killer over here. All here right, so stay tuned because when there we come back, we're gonna come, when we come back from that awkward <laughs> ending, we're going to talk about the shock twist news that The Walking Dead is coming to an end. R.I.P. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, so Brandon Davis, um... We've put your resume on monster.com. Uh, Walking Dead expert. <laughs> that, is, that is not. Walker Stalker alumni. Like, since it's all coming down, we just thought we'd, we'd give you a head start out there, get your resume up. No, nah, I'm just kidding. You've been our Walking Dead, but you grew. You made the jump. It's good you made the jump, man. It's good you like doing like deep WB movies, getting big things, friends with the rock. These are good career moves because The Walking Dead has come apart in record time, record fast. Uh, and it is going downhill. We are getting one more issue of The Walking Dead. This week? Yep. That's, that's it. it. It's over, folks. The final issue is on shelves right now if you're listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. The comic series about the Zompocalypse that would never end is ending. Is that the book that got you into comics? I can't remember. No. No. Um, that is, I, I started reading The Walking Dead right around the time I started, I mean, right. like really got into comics. Like I read Batman, Superman and stuff in middle school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then 2012, I'd say, started reading a lot of Marvel books and picked up some DC books and then picked up The Walking Dead right around issue 97, uh, which was the Something to Fear arc before Negan was introduced. And then read issue number 100 where they killed Glenn and I was like, wow, I don't know if I want to read this book. I'll keep watching the show, but this <laughs> book is effed up and then i kept reading the i have every issue i went started going backwards in the issues and then obviously started working here and uh became a really big 
part of the Walking Dead community. And do you have a number one? Could I? Do I have a number one? No. Really? I don't no. Oh, man. But I remember one time, uh, I I like we get the advanced screeners. Mm. I uh, knew Jesus was making his first appearance on the show on Sunday night, and I was at a comic con and I bought the first appearance of Jesus, and I felt dirty for that. <laughs> so I bought it for like twelve dollars, <laughs> and uh, it went up in value the next day. Smart. The the crazy it's thing about yeah. The Walking Dead, though, as a series, like this is something that Kirkman is starting. He started on his own and is ending on his own terms. And you can say what you will about the sale. Like the sales numbers haven't been great, but at the same same token, he's still on his own, outselling mm-hmm. a ton. And that's of, that's a ton of books. I mean, it's it's very frustrating the way it's ending. Yeah, as a longtime fan of this, and I've read them from the beginning. Right, I've gone back. Um, and how invested I've been in this book and reading it. It's the it, I, there's no comic I've read on the day of release like this ever. Mm-hmm. There's no show. There's no TV show. I mean, besides The Walking Dead and maybe Lost that I've watched the day they come out. But the past year with this whole Commonwealth story he's been doing. And if you're not if you're not reading the book, if you only watch the TV show, they they took the community from Alexandria to this group called the Commonwealth. It's thriving. Fifty thousand people. So much so they have football games. They have concerts. They have luxurious. Uh, amenities and things like that. They have a ridiculous class system and a basically a tyrant who calls herself Governor Pamela Milton. Instead of going to war, Rick tried to do like a civil thing and talk things out with her. And then her son, major spoiler alert here, her son shoots Rick in the heart three times. Just kills him in the in last month's issue. And it was very frustrating. And Kirkman says, I knew around issue number 177 that this would be the guy who killed Rick. And he's a small character. He's an annoying, useless, small, new character. And he kills Rick Grimes. And it gives you the feeling that Kirkman just kind of said, I'm kind of over this. He got tired. I'm kind of over this. I need to wrap it up. And I always promised I'd kill Rick Grimes. Well, see, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if this ending, if you're more upset that it's ending, or if that because the it's, ending it's, feels so yeah, there's two sides to it. I am. Hey man, he got Omar. I'm telling you. I mean, issue number 191. Rick gives a great, great speech to the community. Talks about how they can all come together. We are not the Walking Dead, which you know is full circle from the issue 100 issues ago. Yeah, we are. Where he said we are the Walking Dead, more than 100 issues ago, and that was a great moment. And that felt to me like, oh wow, the book could have ended right here, and I would have been happy. And then I felt like Kirkman was like, I did promise I'm going to kill Rick Grimes. Let's kill him. And then there's this issue with the time jump and all the happy the, the happy endings that kind of wrap everything into a bow. And it's over. So it felt to me like he was just like, checked out. I got to end this thing. And that's what he did. But then at the same time, despite that, I kind of respect the fact that he ended it. Instead of continuing it, being The Walking Dead, being an IP with the name The Walking Dead, as valuable as it is, mm-hmm. he could have, uh, another publisher would have said, no, 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 you're not ending <laughs> this. You're not cutting this book off. We'll get someone else to write it. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you want off. And he said, I want to end it. You know what? It's And it's not an awful ending. Mm-hmm. You know, the ending, it, it works. I don't know what they could have done to make it happily ever after if he was going to kill Rick no matter what. I'm pissed that Rick got the death he got. Thought he deserved something better, but it worked. As as someone who is in and out of the books more than you, like I'm not faithful every month sure. or whatever, but I'll like, when a big thing hits, I'll kind of go back and fill a couple issues in and then kind of kick off. I, f- I was supremely underwhelmed. Like I was supreme. I was like, really? That's how Rick Grimes <laughs> dies? And there is a poetry to it almost because this series is very much about defying <laughs> expectations and about give, not giving the reader what they want a lot like Kirkman 
typically he does that a lot with deaths Good and he story. does a lot of the characters. You don't need that. But Good character arcs. You know, so like in surprise and shock, I guess it's there. But I just hate that whole thing of like it's very it plays out very samey as far as like, oh, he gets shot and then oh look. Carl discovers, like, you know, it's his, oh, he's undead now, and he's got to put him down. It's like, okay, we've seen that over and over. Well, that's in this been the theme series. of the book is seeing things over and over again. Yeah, it's and just, I think that's yeah. where it got. And this Commonwealth stuff, I think, was a big swing and a miss as a foul ball because it was it should have been a home run. The early issues about the Commonwealth were so exciting. Hmm. I think I wrote a review around issue number 177, 180 on our, on our weekly reviews, and I called it the most exciting and expansive chapter of The Walking Dead to date. And it was great. Like, it was so exciting. And then a year went by, and it felt like nothing was going on. I mean, a year in our life yeah. went by. So 12 issues. And it felt like nothing was really happening, and he was just building to this ending, I guess. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's not the Game of Thrones ending. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. <laughs> it, it, it's it's it, it's not a bad ending. It's very it's a little bit frustrating, like you said. Rick, des- it's underwhelming. Yeah, Rick deserves something better. But the way they ended Michonne's story, mm-hmm. they gave her a granddaughter. Yeah. You know, like thing mm-hmm. she reunited with her daughter at the Commonwealth. It wasn't all grim, and they're all dead. Like a lot of people would have probably suspected from Kirkman. He likes to do dark stuff like that. But here we are. The sales were declining. The story was well, declining. It's also kind of nuts too. Like. Is, is there like there's there is literally nobody else in comics who can pull a stunt like this mm. other than Kirkman? No, um, and it's and it's interesting because I, I went back to look back at the. I feel like a lot of the Walking Dead rise in the very early part was Kirkman put that very weird green screen manifesto where he basically called out a bunch of his big big name. Uh, work for hire counterparts at DC and Marvel. He basically called out Bendis and Brubaker and Faction and Hickman and all those guys and said, you know, and this was a time where like he, you know, Kirkman was feeling a bit scorned by Marvel and, and said, I'm, well, I'm going to go do my own thing. Did it, stuck to his guns. And, you know, you look at The Walking Dead now at the media sort of powerhouse that it is. Kind of crazy, like it's it's yeah. very it's almost a Cinderella type story because no one else has been able to come close. Do you know how many to people accomplishing have, what know, he's done? Tried to do that, yeah. There's a ton of people who try, but no one's been able to do it. Well, listen, he, but if uh, it didn't become a TV show, yeah, we wouldn't be talking in, about yeah. it right now. Well, that's what I mean, though. Yeah, but like, this is where I get really jaded, and I think like a lot of the <laughs> things that people say, props to Kirkman for ending on his own terms, are just complete bull crap. Like. I don't think I don't have a lot of respect or esteem for Robert Kirkman's work. Like I don't think it's been that good. The Walking Dead. I think there's a lot of times it's stalled out and just kind of spun his wheels. Because I collected the the big hard the compendiums. Yeah, volumes. And I and I have and they are the heaviest thing I have to move from place to place. <laughs> They're so, so heavy. Yeah. They're so big. And so like forty eight I mean, issues. I forget which one I'm I'm up to now. Like I just had to stop around like eleven or twelve because I couldn't physically store them and mm. carry them everywhere. But like, yeah, I was in I was in the room for that first Comic Con when The Walking Dead was going to premiere that year, mm. and it was empty. Mm. It was empty. Mm-hmm. Like I well, walked what, sh- right in. The show didn't pick up till like no. season three, right? I, I mean, the no. first season yeah, averaged less season, than ten million. Yeah. I think season two but got it started up to twelve. Getting, the first season got hype, is what yeah, it got. Right, maybe and then by the second season, with that big season two premiere, it w- it was starting to surge. But, like, yeah, the comic was doing all right, but people were – it did not have the fandom when the TV show first, like, Mm. launched. 
the TV show had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. And that brings us back to the argument about if this was Kirkman or Frank Darabont who mm. really got this thing off the ground, spotted the gem, put it out there for the mass audience and was like, here you are. Mm. Um, that's always going to be debatable because I don't know. Robert Even though Kirkman, the true answer is probably both. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a little it bit was, of both. It's like, somewhere oh, yeah, it's a situation. But if you ever hear Kirkman talk, Kirkman's ambitions are non-existent. Like, he was just like, I just wanted to be over here writing this revenge comic, and that's all <laughs> I was caring about. Like, and I was just doing my thing. I didn't know anybody was watching. So, like, I think... It comes through in die, die, die. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I feel like, honestly, deep down, we're going to look back on this and just see the case of a creator who got media fame. And I think George R.R. R. Martin's story is going to be a lot of the same way. Hmm. Like, people who got into this weird period where these kind of cult hit genre things were blown up into these huge mainstream TV shows and it invariably altered the creators themselves. And Kirkman, I think, I've seen it year after year after year after interview after Comic-Con. The level of disdain he is just like sitting on each time he's on the stage trying to face the crowd. Every Q&A just got progressively more painful and like tense and awkward with him. Every time he got a question, it was more like a snapback at a fan or just being like, you're an idiot or just something. Like that. <laughs> and so, like, I, I think he just d didn't care anymore. Yeah. And, like, and I think we're not getting some great storytelling arc and ending. It's just a guy who was like, I made a comic series and I'm going to have run about the zombie apocalypse that never ends. And he's just like, I'm, I'm so tired. Yeah, I'm done with it. Yeah. I got enough money. I'm out. I mean, a lot in a lot of the ways you're, you're describing, like talking about it, you're actually describing uh, the Witcher's author as well <laughs> who's who like that that was his big like the game the game like the second game is what really started things and then the third game blew up right but it was the games that blew up over the books had been there for years i mean the first book i think came out in 1994 so like they'd been around forever and then it was this other group that went well let's let's push here let's move some of your ideas around and, and pluck around and then ever since it was that same thing of like when he's asked about them, he's literally like, oh, "I'd rather not talk. About, I'd rather talk about anything other than the games." And like, I mean, J.R. Tolkien's family doesn't want the similarian getting made. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, yeah, it's you've seen that pattern. Yeah, you know, I think I also think it's partly due to the fact that the show became so big and he didn't really have all that much input on the show. I mean, mm -hmm. he had the book, but I think AMC took over. Yep, and he would have done things differently, and he probably I don't know if he would have even made the show go this long. He, I mean, he may have. It's supposed to be the never-ending zombie story, but it had to be. I think that that frustrated the hell out of him, and I, I honestly think it started to make him lose interest in the in the books. And it, he killed Andrea back in the Whisperer War. I think he knew this was coming. I think Andrea was his favorite character. Andrea was everyone's favorite character in the books. When that came, we should have all seen the writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think he just decided he started getting towards the end there. And now here we are. It's over. Okay, so w would you have rather th him have said, "All right, in three months, that's going to be the last issue," or like, it just it, no? That's not a like this I don't feels care like the, a, the like, delivery of the end isn't the issue. That's fine. This right. is a cool way to do it. Actually, I think it's. Right. I think this is a cool way to do it. Just say, by the way, Rick died last week. You all saw that. Yep. If we told you the ish the book was ending, you probably would have thought Rick was going to die anyway. Mm -hmm. So we preserved the Rick dying spoiler. That worked. I think that's a pretty cool way to do it. If yep. the show were to be like, yep. by the way, this is the series finale, 
<laughs> I mean, AMC could never because they, they, you have to market it that way. But that's a cool way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. As, as long as it's intentional. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think this was intentional. I think he knew for a while this was the end, so it worked. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it worked to the best way it could with him, right. the effort I think it's he gave. It's just the ending yeah. itself. Yeah, the ending yeah. itself. No, I, I do will be, think will this the is a cool way to do it. Will larger fan base be satisfied? People who have hung in there, are they just going to be like, what the hell just happened in my favorite book? Well, they'll just be the same. It, the The big ripple effect started with last week, last month, and the month before that. You saw me. Yeah. I read issue number 191 here in the office. I stood up. I said, what the f-? And I said, just end the book. <laughs> Didn't I? Yep, I stood you up did. and I said that. <laughs> you did. I yeah, said, please, did. just end the book now. Why are you continuing this? What's the point? And guess what? He ended the book. You got it. So... So how much would you say you're responsible for all this? <laughs> um, Kirkman's got lines in the office. You think, you think like hardcore questionnaires like yourself and sleuths on The Walking Dead, you know, pushed him over the edge? I don't think I said. Do you bear any book. responsibility for this? <laughs> I don't think. I don't think I got online and said just end the book. I would. I don't think I'd ever say that back then. Uh, but no, uh, no, I'm not, I don't think any of the people. I'm just were, messing with you. Right. Yeah. It's I know, all Kirkman. Just, he's so trolling. <laughs> I, well, Kirkman is Kirkman is also trolling. Kirkman yeah. is always trolling. He is the biggest mm-hmm. troll writer. I think he enjoys this stuff. I really do. I think he gets a kick out of just annoying people with some of his content, like his mm-hmm. surprise deaths and stuff. Like Look, I think he sits back. 193 and issues of an independent yeah. comic. It's impressive. Like, that's amazing. Oh, no, it's surprise. a hell of an accomplishment. I got a lot of respect for the guy. I I, I don't think he likes talking to us at all or anybody <laughs> I, about his stuff. I really don't. Like Kofi said, I think he's just over it. But I got a lot of respect for the dude. He's, he's paved his own way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, AMC coming along and making this into Help. a show is what did it. So you're saying there's no Oblivion song show coming? There's a movie coming. There's an Oblivion there a song movie movie coming, coming movie from coming. Universal. Oh, Robert Kirkman no. and Universal like each other. Okay. Fair enough. Did not know that. All right. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We wanted to leave some time because we want to do our whole spiel about how you guys can jump on and ride with the show because we got some good episodes coming up, like our Spider-Man Far From Home spoilers discussion. We post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com, although I think we'll... Will we have an altered posting schedule this week for the... Uh, yeah, I'll July? probably post the Spider-Man yeah, So we'll have one early. a little bit sooner, probably around July 4th this week, but normally every Wednesday and Friday, where any of our articles on comicbook.com for the podcast, you can subscribe to our RSS feed, or you can go on your favorite listening platform on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google, Play, Google Playlist, or tell any Amazon Alexa device to play Comic Book Nation podcasts. We also have a, a, a special episode coming on this Sunday. Oh, that's right. We, we got stuff for you guys over the holiday this entire week. So we got Spider-Man Far From Home spoilers discussion episode coming in the next few days. Then, this weekend, because Brandon Davis went out and did so much good work for us, During the Spider-Man Far From Home Junket, we have a bunch of great spoilery discussions with the bigwigs in this whole thing. Kevin Feige of Marvel Studios, Amy Pascal of Sony. So we're going to have a bunch of stuff to talk with them about, you know, the franchise, Spider-Man, all this stuff we got them to kind of comment on. And we will be releasing that to you guys as a special bonus episode of the podcast as well. And if you listen to it early enough on Sunday, there's a very good chance that you will be listening to the spoiler stuff before stories are even on the site. Yeah. Yep. So you will not have to read if you listen. <laughs> Take that as a sentence. Fair enough. No yeah. reading, just listening. There you go. But still go <laughs> click on the website. Yeah, also, absolutely click on all click the stories. Click on all the stories. But if you want to if you want to get the scoop and the jump, when you see that notification pop up, this is a new episode of Comic You tell you what, you guys listen and then tell all your friends by sending them the article links. That's How about right. that? There, there you go. go. Perfect. Dude. Yeah. All of them. All right. So 
We're going to uh, read some reviews because if we read your reviews on the air and you guys leave us positive five-star reviews on iTunes, we'll send you some comic book swag. And now we have official comic book nations. Oh, oh, wrong side for the marketing here. Comic book <laughs> nation t-shirts that are pretty fly. Uh, pretty Jim made us some uh, great t-shirts. So we have them, and you guys can get out there and represent. We already have some really great fans that are out there representing for us. But uh, we'd like to do more. So we're going to read a few more reviews today. Um, let's see. Uh, I think we'll start with this one this week, for Matt's sake. It's called Almost As Good As Captain Marvel by <laughs> Vitamin Steve. This is the best pop comic podcast in the multiverse. I never knew I needed it until I dived in and found myself going back and listening to their previous episodes just to gather new intel and opinions. The quality is well produced, but still keeps the feeling of a raw convo with friends. Keep up the good work. If I'm ever in Nashville, I'll buy you all a drink. This man knows where we are. Oh, yeah. Next well, one you is, did give out the address. I did. <laughs> I've given out like everybody's personal information and everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing really good at this. Love it is the next review by the real Todd Rogers, not the fake one. These podcasts are outstanding. Get tons of great info about movies, video games, TV shows, etc. The guys always sound like they're having an absolute blast doing these. We love not writing. So listen. <laughs> All right. Next one. Finally, the outlaw has come back to the podcast. Now this I had to is pick a, a self-serving one. By Bearded Dragon. Good name. I haven't used iTunes in forever, but this is the one reason I got back on just to review you. I stumbled upon your podcast during the Endgame reviews. It was at that time that I heard a familiar voice that I've always agreed with in most cases when it came to movies and TV. I was happy to hear Kofi again and knew I was finding a podcast for me. But then it was solidified when I heard Matthew Aguilar and his love for Moon Knight and wanting a TV show movie like I have been wanting forever now. And to top that, I'm an Eagles fan living outside of Nashville, TN, and I heard that he was too. A podcast match in heaven. Thank you, guys. Wow. Man, right that was there. real personal. That Thank was Bearded you. Dragon? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> so good. There's one I also, I mean, there's one in here for BD, but we have a lot of good reviews. You guys have just been dropping in here. But I wanted to give, like, BD one, because there was, like, a... Oh, yeah, here we go. It's got a real search. No, no. I'll do, so, I'll do So Good by Chris G26 first. I got caught up on all my other podcasts, and I had seen this one on the site, and I wanted to check it out. This is such a good show, and I look forward to it each and every Wednesday and Friday. And here we go. Comic Book Nation Rocks by Prince Drake 100. Episode 44 was, was a very great episode. Best part was about Spider-Man Far From Home. Also... I glad there was hints about end credit scene, so thanks, Brendan Davis. Stay till the end. Do all these people get t-shirts? <laughs> yeah, they all get t-shirts. Do we t-shirts. have enough t-shirts? Yeah, we got t-shirts. Good. We'll thanks for more. the reviews, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna stop there. We got more to read. We're gonna take an episode. <laughs> I was gonna say, guys. There's still, there's still plenty more to read. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty more to read, but we're gonna Our keep it. Our podcast is awesome. Episode <laughs> by episode, review. we're gonna dull them out a little bit so that we make sure we have t-shirts. We gotta wait for the printer. Now, I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to log heard, in and write more reviews about myself. Read, hit us up on uh, Twitter or Instagram or somewhere or hashtag Comic McNation. You know, we'll uh, DM you an email address where you can send us your address and your shirt size, and we'll get a shirt out to you. So if you heard your review read, just hit us up. All right, that'll do it. Uh, Special announcement. I'm taking a break. I'm taking a vacation. So I'm going to be leaving the show in the hands of these capable gentlemen here. (laughs) And hopefully when I get back, there will be a show. (laughs) (laughs) It's the evil laugh from over there. Yeah, I know. It's worrying. You guys will be in the hands of Jim Viscardi and uh, Matthew Aguilar. The whole podcast is going to be about Century. We've gotten so close to 50 episodes. (laughs) 
that I think they're like everybody's well trained. So much so Red Hulk. Good. It's be all Red Hulk. Red Hulk and Golden Girls. Whatever you guys want to do, I'm going to be taking a break. So I'll ride you with you guys when I get back. Until then, we just want to say this is Comic Book Nation. Peace out. Deuces.